Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, B. Welcome to NXS Access All Areas. We're now going via Zoom today for this deep dive into our favourite band, getting this band into the Rock Hall of Fame, NXS Access All Areas. How are you, B? How's your NXS week been? Very good, thank you. Yes, this is um, a bit different, isn't it? I see yeah. see you bigger on my screen. It's very well, strange. Hopefully we sound a little <laughs> bit better. We, we're changing a little bit of recording formats and we hope we come through like quadraphonic surround sound, dulcet tones of uh, in excess access or areas. Areas or areas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, now, we came off uh, a very fun but very late into the wee hours of the morning uh, mm. Calling All Nations uh, Zoom thing last week, Zoom chat with uh, a fair contingent from the Midwest of America. So, again, we thank those on there. Now, yeah. my, my memory suggests that we had Anne-Marie, uh, I should say. Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie. Anne with we, her beautiful accent. Oh, she was so we deep did. and sexy. <laughs> and we then had Foxy. We, Foxy, yep. a.k.a. Jodie. Yep. Yeah, she, she did well. She came in late. She Zoomed in, we but did. we got her, didn't we? We did. We had Felicia. Felicia? Yep. Yes. Um, and we had? Laurie. Laurie. Well, Laurie, we don't know. I like, she's gorgeous. She's like one of my top. Chicks, no. she's, she's actually just put out a podcast of her own uh, based on yes. the UK band Madness, which would Madness. be right in your wheelhouse, B. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to listen to it. I haven't had a chance yet. But, yeah, it's like really, really great. To, and we had uh, the lovely Carmen from Wollongong who uh, yes. stayed up to the wee hours with us and uh, hung in there uh, yeah. courtesy of uh, caffeine and uh, just sheer entertainment. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it probably does sort of segue into the fact that we have had some very generous patrons of which these five particular people are platinum contributors, which mm-hmm. means that they probably donate the maximum amount per month for us to be able to put a podcast like this together, which is $30 a month. And uh, I know, I guess probably we'd like to thank those five people sincerely, but we also have some other patrons that B you would like to, I think, call out and just acknowledge what they're doing is really helping us put some money back into this whole exercise. Um do you want to read some of those out and welcome them to this podcast, Bea? I would love to do that. I'd love to do that. So our beautiful platinum um, contributors um, that make our, well, rock our world, hey, is Pedro from Portugal and Lisa Urban. We've got Foxy, obviously, and then Felicia and... Um, We've got Sarah and Laurie and Carmen and Sue and Matt and Joe and Mandy and Emery, Daniela and Lisa Mack. We have so a couple of silent donators, don't we? Oh, they don't want to be known. No. They could be very famous people, B. They could be, couldn't they? They just want to go under the radar. Can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> now we have yeah. to say to sort of listeners out there, those who you know maybe haven't sort of uh, become a patron in any description, whether it's a bronze or a uh, uh, or a gold or a platinum, etc. 
if you can find in your way to contribute to this podcast, it really is going to help us take it to the next level. We have a goal to get this band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's going to involve uh, investing in merchandise and, and, and sort of welcome packs and badges and all sorts of sort of goodies that, um, along with technology and time and effort, that are going to allow us to get a momentum with this. Um, just since we have started, we've had uh, nearly 6,500 downloads of these episodes, which... Um, from people in the podcast industry, they have been uh, really, really, I guess, uh, acknowledging of those yeah. numbers and the reach we're getting so fast for mm-hmm. what is essentially a sort of a rookie exercise. Yeah. Um, and look, we're very proud of the people who listen in. We're very proud of the reach we've had so far. Um, we've now, I think this week, be, uh, gone into the Twitter sphere. So <laughs> yeah. I think we've launched that onto uh, uh, the Twitter sphere, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, so along with other platforms, B, where else can listeners hit us up on or share with their friends? Well, I'd also like to say not only have we've, we've been talking to other podcasters to see where, you know, what's going on, but I've had, um, I've had three people um, say that um, we've inspired them to start their own podcasts, yeah. one being um, The Madness. And yeah. there's another one going to be launching soon called um, Australian Music. And yeah. there's another one, another In Excess one may be coming along later on as well. So that's quite cool that we're actually, you know, helping Others, um, in excess one. Ooh, oh, okay. No, oh, no, that'll be interesting. No. That'll be interesting. But, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, from a younger generation. Okay. Um, yes. So what did you ask me? Sorry, forgot. I uh, so just our platforms because I guess with Twitter, mm. it's just another angle. Because, you know, everybody these days with sort of social media platforms listen in different ways. You know, we yes. started on Podbean and we sort of flipped into places like Instagram and Spotify. And I, I don't understand the world very well. I just sort of shake my head and brag about we're on all these platforms. But by throwing to you, you might be able to share with listeners where people can download episodes, share just ourselves with us because Twitter is another area of that, I guess. Yeah, we're all over the place. Um, I'm going to see if I can get the view up, actually, and I'll tell you. Because today I actually got um, we to say that we're actually now on um, Amazon Music too. Yeah. Not sure what, if I ever, does anybody use that? I don't know. Do they? I saw your email about it. Uh, I guess yeah. Amazon is a pretty big sort of platform. Um, so... Uh, again, you know, the, the more platforms out there, the more we can get this band sort of acknowledged and heard and listened to and, I guess, into the Hall of Fame. Now, moving yeah. things along a little bit, we actually, at the end of last week's episode, played an outro song, and I know you did sort of the outro last week, and we played sort of Mystify, which had the Chicago demo mix, mm-hmm. um, and we are playing around with certain versions of songs and different tribute songs and covers and all trying to broaden the palette of people's knowledge of different in excess songs, and because we had a big Midwestern community on our Zoom call last week, we know that that sort of Chicago mix sort of resonated with our Zoom uh, guests. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, it's interesting the amount of versions out there of different songs that people haven't heard, Be. I know. I know. You keep finding them, don't you? Little, Little remixes here and there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well, Inexcess being an international band and there's often different sort of albums and CDs and extra bonus tracks released in different countries. So... Even an album like uh, Elegantly Wasted, uh, I guess in terms of uh, that album, that had like an extra sort of bonus track. Uh, I think in Japan it had Let It Ride Mm. on there. Uh, In Australia it had Shine on there. Um, I know with uh, Full Moon Dirty Hearts and some, I think in Japan they put Born uh, Born To Be Wild, they added that on there. 
So depending on what country you're in and what region, sometimes there are different albums and remixes and greatest hits and whatever. So um, there's always little sort of snippets of things that people have and, and have been sharing with us on a lot of the fan engagement pages. You know, um, you sent me something, I think, today showing me Johnson's aeroplane and Transvision Vamp. Is that yeah. right? Have you Is seen that? that? You? Have, you t- have you seen that before? I don't know. Elaborate for the listeners. What was all that about? Because I only saw it quickly and I was like, what's this? Is this a sort of a UK, it looked like well, probably a UK thing. Yeah. I, I actually sent it to Eminem. So to see, or Eminem. <laughs> Eminem. Eminem. Lose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and to see what his thoughts were. And um, yeah, I think he was, I think he was 1989 on the thing. Let me see. Sort of vinyl single, is it? Oh, no, 1984, it says, oh, I don't know. No, 1918, no, no, it's all over the place, actually. It's all the different ones. So, yeah, it's got Nina Cherry, um, as in um, there's... there's, there's Show it up to the screen for me so I can sort of just get a visual. Can you see? Okay, so what B for the listeners uh, is doing, she's holding up a, a 45 single, but it's it looks like it's a compilation of various artists. I think it's got Nina Cherry, it's got... Um, in excess Johnson's airplane, which is 984, but it's got Transvision Vamp on it. It's some sort of promo thing. Child What's of the... the Age. Huh? Child of the Age, right. Transvision Vamp. Right. So, look, I guess to summarise, there's so many different sort of releases, compilations, add-ons, special projects yeah. and things that get sort of sent to radio stations. Even promo singles, they're quite interesting. There are a lot of collectors out there who who really dive deep within excess, have a lot of promo singles that were sent to radio stations but never officially released to the public. Oh, so that's what you think this is. It's something that was sent to the know. radio. Yeah, it I'm looks not... like it, actually. Now you're saying it because it's saying... Not for sale on there? <laughs> no, it hasn't got... It says on the chart tip. Right. Yeah, All right. Knows. Well, maybe post it on their site and people can have a look and see if they've got it. Yeah, tell me more. I want to know what it is. And now it's time for the excess news with Hayden from around the world. All right, news of the week, B. Uh, I guess there's quite a bit going on this week. It seems like uh, Andrew's been on a bit of a press tour. Every time I turn on my Google Alerts, and that's where I do find a lot of the information about NXS with Google Alerts and things, um, there's been a bit of a, uh, a bit of a meet. Andrew's been on Media Street this week, so I will go to that in a moment. But uh, in terms of the Australian charts... At the time of recording, uh, there's probably been, I think, two shifts in the album charts. So in terms of last week, uh, it looked like the album actually went from 32 to 32, uh, the greatest hits in Australia. I so, thought I uh, read that wrong when you sent it to me. <laughs> like, what is he saying, 32 yeah, to 32? Yeah, mm. The album didn't... Bit of a sidestep. The album uh, just stayed steady or they held or whatever you might want to sort of... Uh, Good news. Uh, call it. Uh, from that sort of point of view, uh, I guess, interestingly, yeah, it's sort of held firm, okay? But there's been a bit of a change to sort of the uh, the website. And uh, I'm just looking down here. The charts have been released today a little bit. Ooh, uh, tell us what's happening. Well, it's gone from 32 to 34. So huh. uh, 306 weeks. So we've sort of, with our recording schedule, sometimes we get two changes of charts within the time frame. But... Uh, Dipped a little bit from 32 to 34, but uh, sort of solid there. Six times platinum, pushing for seven and 306 weeks in the Australian chart. So uh, I guess can't be uh, sneezed at. Uh, no, in terms of where or it's sniffed. At. No. Yeah. Uh, no, in the course. USA, Needs Night Part 2, Dua Lipa sample cover version. 
has had one drop from 16 to 17, but has hit six months officially in the charts. So who knows? Their charts are very fluky and that song could rebound soon, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of entrenched in the top 20 and peaked mm-hmm. at 13 at this stage. Okay. Um, also this week or in the last sort of seven days, it's been 30 years since the anniversary of the album X uh, for NXS. And uh, I did sort of uh, do a little bit of research this week and there has been a few little publications out there. So probably next week with a bit more time permitting, we might just share a couple of articles and things like that about album X because it has been something that's been discussed a little bit with Andrew and um, I know that album sort of particularly when it was released, it was right in sort of my sort of, wheelhouse of attention span i remember you know being such a big fan and couldn't wait for the album to come out and you know i was at uni and things like that so it was something that uh uh, i have very good memories of at the time and this article did peak a bit of those memories as well also too uh this particular week there's an article that andrew i said he's been on media street Uh, today in australia there's a newspaper called the australian and unfortunately it's behind a paywall so it's not something we can sort of open up and share online but um I might sort of try and take a couple of pics or some summaries of it and, and share it with you. But uh, there's a, an article where Andrew has been interviewed and talked to me about his foray into country and a little bit about acknowledging Michael as a songwriter and John Stevens who worked with the band. So um, it is something that if you are in Australia, you can get access this weekend by just buying the paper. Or if you're from overseas and you are wanting to get behind a paywall, you can do so. Uh, or wait for me to maybe hopefully share something there as well. There's also a good article that Andrew has done with the Niagara Frontier Publication. Now, those who, <laughs> I'm like, Andrew, you're getting around this week. Niagara Falls, okay, is a good article there. And uh, you can Google that with Andrew and you will find that. Um, but he talks a little bit about, you know, the uh, all the stars are mine, you know, recording and the EP that's coming out on October 2, which is only sort of two weeks away. And again, a lot of these articles do often traipse over the same sort of discussion points, you know, oh, Michael, oh, you know, you solo, oh, you've gone into country. So sometimes you have to, you know, once you've read one or two, you sometimes are seeing the same thing and maybe artists are being asked the same cliche questions, mm-hmm. uh, unlike this podcast that will pose and ask many different things. Um, but for those who, who are <clears throat> maybe new to some information or still learning, um, there's some interesting sort of uh, discussion points there as well. So, oh, yeah, and the last thing within our news, uh, I think, B, we spoke earlier offline a little bit about the uh, Spotify playlist we're putting together. Ooh, um, yes. We are now officially halfway through the album reviews of their career from the studio album's point of view. Yes. And we have come up with, I think, close to roughly around sort of 15 songs that reflect the deep dive tracks that we've been sort of putting together as what we thought were our favourite sort of non-singles. So we are going to comprehensively put that little bit of a list together and maybe put that out on our site and all our platforms. Yes. Um, Now, we're not quite sure whether we're allowed to suddenly do our own Spotify list and sort of necessarily upload or whatever, but we might allow you within your own sort of programmings or your own Spotify list to go and create your own sort of list as well. But we're going to sort of name the, the these first sort of 15 songs, I think, from the first half of their career as sort of non-album, non-single tracks that we think uh, were really strong in our album reviews, but should allow you maybe to go off and just start listening to them readily. Yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of prints, you know, but I don't listen to the singles anymore. You know, I listen to all the album tracks and I get another sort of almost 
career of, of respecting him as an artist because I go, wow, he had so much material. Oh. Same with the Beatles and the Stones and a lot of these bands, like their album tracks were just as good as the singles. Oh. Uh, and all a single really is is an advertisement for an album. But radio generally thrashes to death the singles and neglects some of these great other tracks. So, um, yeah, we, we've been very passionate about this sort of deep dive list of non in excess singles because we think they will give you another experience or another way to enjoy the band if you just you know heard them as a radio act or a singles act no no, no they have one more than that so that list will sort of come out and we'll probably talk more about it next week on the episode okay we'll so we're going to do the list not next next week yeah um, i'm going to we'll share it on our platforms during yeah. the week i think and then we'll talk about it in the episode next week just just a bit of a you know, a breathe and go, hey, well, here's the tracks. Remember we put these together in our list and, That's you know, great. this is just a bit of a list there, you know. You know good list. On. Yeah. You've got a good 15 songs already, haven't we? I think we do. I think we do. So, yeah. So a little bit of news this week and some other things that, you know, have just been announced we're going to save for next week's episode. Okay. But, um, yeah, lots happening in the NXS world as always, B. Yes, next week's going to be very exciting, actually. Mm. And then you're going to let me have a week off, aren't you? What's all that about? We don't know. The, the, the Hall of Fame doesn't stop. <laughs> I'm putting it in now, everybody. I'm, I'm going to try and get a week Maybe off. we have to put our own greatest hits episode in a filler thing, you know, the, you know, the, yeah. uh, the, the episode where we get our compilation episode. <laughs> Maybe we could put in our, our, our non-release material, our deep cuts off, offline tracks, all the, bl- the blue edition. Or perhaps somebody might want to stand in for me. Ooh, oh, somebody. Well, that could happen. Well, maybe, could maybe, happen. maybe you could be off. Don't, don't try to get yourself out of a job. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of people have filled in in TV shows and bands for a week, and they're going, "Actually, I like you better." Don't do that. The Hayden and Carmen show. <laughs> well, she might upper hook me. She's uh, oh, she that's a, true. That might yeah. be quite fun. <laughs> it might be interesting anyway. Hey. This is Tim Farris, and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. <laughs> and now for topic of the week. I said play the fucking riff to me. Excuse me. All right, Tim Farris. Now, for the listeners out there, I've never seen B smile larger than a Cheshire cat. He's got some Luna Park smiles happening. If you don't know what Luna Park is, it's a it's a themed uh, uh, amusement park with a big smile on it. And let's just say that B has waited twenty episodes to get this one out. Now, Tim, if you are listening out there, we know B is your number one fan. Okay, so this is a uh, this is an ode to your awesomeness. Um, now, just as we entered into this particular Tim Ferriss deep dive, we did hear. A little bit of Tim at Wembley. Now, B, just tell us how much that meant to you. A lot, a lot. It was just 
it's just such a connection. I mean, who doesn't know that bloody riff and that T-shirt? That T-shirt. I can tell you a little bit more about a T-shirt later. But yeah, wow, it's um, it's just perfect, isn't it? Perfect yeah. timing. Yeah. But I, 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 I've overheard him say that he felt pretty much like it was all on him. And can he, can he, can, could he deliver? But boy, does he deliver! Fantastic. Well, I, I think, you know, we, we probably, for the listeners out there who know a bit about Tim and the uh, What You Need guitar riff and him and Michael having the stage play between them at Wembley, I think that riff when I first heard it and just the camera angle and whatever there, I still get tingles up the spine. Mm. I just go, if there's one place I have regrets yeah. in life not being at is oh. in the front row where that When that riff, happened. <laughs> yeah, because with the What You Need song, it's a great riff, but because the song is continuous versus a live concert where they slow it down and have a bit of repartee and Michael yeah. does his sort of dance thing in the middle. Yeah. So then isolate to Tim. It's like Tim's moment to shine Sorry. and uh, yeah. biggest concert, biggest day of their career and, boy, does he uh, deliver on that riff. Rips it. <laughs> so but, he actually, it, 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 there was a couple of names he got from that, wasn't there? Was it Timmy the Sheriff? The, the, the Riffmeister? Yeah, but the Sheriff. Correct. Yes. Yes. I think after that he was uh, given a couple of very nice, mm. uh, nice sort of uh, odes to uh, the riff, the riff meister, the riff sheriff. I think the riff sheriff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, now, you know, I'm going to, you know, B and I are probably going to sort of go back and forth a little bit here with Tim, but I'm going to throw the new ball to you and just tell us a little bit of backdrop for those who don't know uh, a lot about Tim, because he, look, Tim probably in my take of things wasn't sort of the music, musical virtuoso of the band in terms of bringing material and, and songs and tracks and things together. But every band needs a leader. Every band needs a captain. Every band needs a sort of an inspirer, a motivator, an instigator. And I, I think if I could sum Tim's sort of contribution up is that being the older brother and being sort of, I guess, a little bit more mature, in those early days, I think it was Tim's ambition and vision that was really important to, as we often say, the musical business Tim had the business head for the business and Andrew probably had the musical chops for the band. And you need both elements working and all cylinders firing. Um, mm, mm. So what Andrew maybe seemed to lack in a little bit of maybe belief or confidence about the band's potential, I think Tim was a driving force. It was really critical during some, I guess like any band, those vulnerable early years. Um, but um, I guess going back a little bit, B, you know more about Tim's backdrop and upbringing and the, the history of things. So, a little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. So, new ball to you. I, <laughs> I want learn you to something new every day, I must admit. Tell the so, listeners about your knowledge of Tim growing up and how, how it, it all evolved over time. Oh, little Timmy William Farris, <laughs> at the age of eight, was told to pick up an instrument. Right. And he chose the guitars, a classical guitar. And he was taught by a beautiful man called Peter Frederiki. Okay. And he was actually um, playing with the Australian Symphony Orchestra. So mm -hmm. we're talking big league. So he had a really good um, start. Um, in fact, all of the Ferris brothers, I'm not sure about Alison because he's got a little sister called Alison as well, had to pick up an instrument. It was one thing that the Ferris um, family, uh, can you imagine that house of all these <laughs> instruments being played? I just like, it just blows me. I mean, my noisy. mind is just a bit noisy, but fun, fun mm. partridge family. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's where that all started. But for me, 
you know, he then went to uh, went to school at Forest High and met um, Kirk, and they met because one of them had written uh, or drawn a guitar, and that's how they got to got involved with one another. But Tim's confidence to bring in his his mates, and also I just always thought when I saw first photos of them all. Tim just shined as the, I want to be the rock star. Have you seen the early photos where they're all sitting there and they're all looking a little bit like, oh, we don't, we feel a little uncomfortable here. And there's Tim, the rock star with his chest out and all the hair. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, yeah, Tim has always been, I won't say the brains, but the driver, the wise man, the confident man um, that's given them the drive and the vision, the manager, like you say. Mm. Mm. Okay. So I guess in the early days, as I said, before Chris Murphy was there, you know, Tim, as sort of evidence in the miniseries, was pretty much sort of managing a lot of the gigs and the bookings and sort mm. of driving the sort of the business sort of side of things. Um, I guess, you know, in terms of that early stages, you know, bands – before having you know strong management uh need someone who can sort of be in that sort of particular area uh to do so and i guess sort of as i said in the miniseries you do sort of see you know tim being a sort of a guy who's dealing with the a lot of the club owners and the empresarios who are trying to probably have the band play a certain way or avoid certain songs and things like that um i guess sort of growing up etc there and sort of joining and creating sort of the band and being great friends with kirk um I guess that sort of really forms of the nucleus, you know, of them. And uh, they had a sort of a band called Guinness, I think, together, didn't they? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So so I think, you know, friendship and mateship is such an Australian sort of, you know, uh, tradition and thing we value here. You know, I'm not saying other countries don't, but mateship and friendship and brotherhood and, you know, teamwork and that sort of stuff are very sort of much part of our sort of cultural DNA. So yeah. Seeing the fact that from a young age, both Kirk and Tim were such good friends and, and there, and then suddenly the brothers got involved and then Michael, et cetera, there. I think the band, you know, through Tim and whatever there, had such a great basis of a friendship. You know, those relationships really honed the band during tough times. and Bonded I, them together. Yeah, yeah, and going through, I guess, over the sort of the career of the band, I mean, Tim and both Kirk have done probably more media for the band than yeah. all the other band members combined. So... Yeah. You know, spokespersons and both aware of the band itself and what the band was about. You know, Tim and Kirk have done a lot of media over the time. Um, you know, whilst Andrew was there creating in his sort of nutty professor studio, I'm sure, and <laughs> Michael was jettisoning off around the world and keeping a little sort of notebook for lyrics and things. And um, it just sort of goes back to every band member had their own sort of particular role, but, you know, both Tim and Kirk, drove a lot of sort of the media stuff. I know Kirk was always putting flyers out on cars and notice boards to get people sort of following the band and, yeah. you know, but relating sort of back to Tim. You know, every band needs a captain. Every band needs a lead. Every band needs decision makers. And mm. often and sort of uniquely to In Excess is that, you know, if you look at the Rolling Stones, for example, compared to In Excess, I mean, Mick and Keith were the, both the songwriters and the sort of the, uh, the leaders of the band. You know, John Bon Jovi's the sort of the real leader of that band. You know, Paul and, and, and John Lennon were the real leaders of the Beatles and George was the quiet one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was sort of unique in the sense that, uh, and look at you too, the other way we talked about them, Bono and and, uh, and The Edge, Edge were the yeah. real spokesperson of those bands. So it was quite weird in a way that probably Tim 
and Kirk to a degree were probably front and centre and sort of leading the band in terms of getting them out there, uh, yet weren't the major song contributors to things. And um, I guess in a way that can sometimes be good and bad in in a sense, but um, I guess like anything, Tim sort of, you know, was really projecting where he thought the band could go and was Mm -hmm. really a leader and a pioneer and a perseverer. And uh, I guess across, you know, the band's sort of career, especially when they got into things like Rockstar in Excess and, things like that, you know, he was a real sort of almost father figure of the band. And I think the band members saw him that way. And he was the first to get married, first to have kids, you know, yeah. married his child, childhood sweetheart. And yeah. um, there's sort of a sort of a famous quote that often is, gets mentioned, says, you know, Tim is like sort of the ballast of the band. He's the one who gives uh, the band a bit of leadership, a sense of unity, and he'll usually project a very uh, practical, logical view of everything and um yeah. i know this is sort of something that's sort of been sort of bandied out by um you know sort of the band members and things like that you know and yeah. he's the you know slightly older than the other thing other other brothers you know he was probably i think thinking about four years older than john and two or three years older than andrew so i guess you know think of a, a family dynamic often the older brother like I think uh, even the older Hemsworth, he's probably the least successful actor in the Hemsworths, but the younger brothers still look up to him as their yeah. sort of, you know, their hero. Yeah. Um, and not at all trying to say that Tim's not successful, but in terms of sort of leadership and inspiration and, and, and being the first to do things in most aspects of life, Tim was always the big brother of those guys and they probably wanted him to take on some of the, the stuff that uh, a big brother does. And they're such a family band. And Kirk became like the fourth brother to the to the band, and yeah. such you know I guess you know Tim uh, was able to do that, and even to this day you know Tim's sort of the guy out there you will hear the most of generally in the media about the band if something's released or something's done. You know the go-to person for media is generally go to go to to, to Tim. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a so, very busy, busy man for in excess. Still, he's still yeah. leading the way for everything. He's doing a lot of media all around the world for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, he's definitely um, he's he's not he's not resting. I know you oh. don't hear from him, but you do. <laughs> Now, I thought what we would do to just give a little bit of illustration is that Tim wasn't totally sitting on his hands, et cetera, there with, with songwriting and things. Um, obviously, on the first couple of albums, they were really band compositions and most of the songwriting credits were attributed to, to all band members. But um, uh, I know when we got into uh, Shabu Shabar, uh, both Tim and uh, Michael sort of co-wrote uh, together Spy of Love, which I know Michael loves singing live. It was a song that he had a, quite a an affection with uh, and it's a great lyric. It's a great clip. Um, I know when we uh, ventured into uh, the swing album, you know, we found that Tim was contributing to melting in the sun, which has got such a great guitar riff in it. Um, We got into uh, listen, like listen, like these review and the three sisters music, musical instrumental track was a Tim composition. Um, And when we got into welcome to wherever you are, you know, a lot of the B sides, Tim was contributing to those. There's a, a great, like my favourite, I think, single, uh, CD single was the Heaven Sent one, but it wasn't so much just for Heaven Sent, the song, even though it had that and it had a sort of a gliding waltz version. But I think on the, the B side of that, there was um, a song called 11th Revolution and uh, that's such got a great guitar riff. It just mm-hmm. wished Tim finished some lyrics with it because it's such a, a great riff. But um and then there's another one called In My Living Room and a couple other tracks. And we'll probably put a little bit of a montage of these yeah. together. 
uh, in a moment for listeners to have a bit of a listen to. Um, but also what I'd like to add into this, and we'll probably put this in together, B, when this goes out to, uh, to uh, launch, is a list of just Timmy's best riffs. Uh, because amidst the sort of smaller amount of songs probably maybe Tim brought to the band, what Tim's great sort of uh, contribution is some of the riffs that are on certain songs. Like I think the send a message riff and yeah. we talked about the what you need riff at Wembley and um, even in kiss the dirt. And there's, there's oh, so yes. many great guitar moments that mm. just, I think the band say over to you, Timmy play the riff, so to speak. And, but he just contributes some really iconic riff moments. So amidst the individual contributions, so to speak, or the co-writes, we're going to throw in a few great Timmy moments and riffs and, I know throughout the week we would love to hear back from listeners who've got their famous Timmy Riff moments because he probably is the, <laughs> the Riff Master and the Riff Meister, as, as we said before. <laughs> I liked what you said um, in our little um, blurb that I call it about how Andrew wrote the music, but Tim was really clever at getting those riffs in there and really interpreting mm. it and just really making yeah. it juicy. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the notes can be one thing, but uh, putting them into sort of a yeah. ramping them up type of thing. Because mm. Tim, Tim, you know, from that point of view, had those big moments. All right. So over to you, B, for our favourite Tim contributions, both songwriting and performing. Here we go.
All right, so well, some good tracks and riffs and tunes there, B. I could see you jamming and rocking away and air guitaring there. <laughs> we okay. both were. We both were. They're really yeah. good. The, it was the, good the, fun going through them and finding them all, actually. The B riffmeister, we might call you. The, <laughs> the Britmeister. The Britmeister. There we go. But, right. um, yeah, um, one of the things I thought we'd like to sort of share with people, I think, you know, part of this podcast when we dive deep on each band member is the unique things they, they bring to the band. And I guess prior to some of the music stuff there, we talked about what Tim brought to sort of maybe from a management and leadership and an inspirational sort of point of view. But um, I think watching this last week or two, going back and doing a bit of research for the, for the podcast, uh, what I noticed with uh, Tim, particularly in videos and particularly uh, on stage, is the personality that he yeah. brings to performance. Um, yeah. I was watching uh, the Devil Inside film clip last night and just some of his little head wobbles and movements <laughs> and, uh, and and in the video for Kiss the Dirt, he's going through the desert. I'm thinking back oh, when I was 14, 15, going, that calls out. He's in the desert with his shirt off and his guitar. And, and he's going through there, riffing around. And, uh, and then, you know, they flash to Gary, who looks a bit awkward going through the desert. and going, I want to be Tim, not Gary. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, even the kick tour with the skateboard and the outfit yeah. USA colours and things. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I think I said to B earlier that, you know, Andrew was the nutty professor up the back with his little air and his keyboard and probably you know, doing <laughs> his little thing. And I say that with a full uh, respect to you, Andrew. Um, but we had, and, uh, we had uh, you know, Michael is the sort of the, the uh, enigmatic front man, jet setting around the world, you know, you know, bamboozing all with his eyes and charisma and things, but um, from a sheer giving of personality of himself to the audience, and um, I think really, uh, he was a, it, he's a fun character. Yeah. He'd always put a little character in there. There was always like something different, wasn't there? There, you know, there was an elegantly wasted album, um, tour and album. He was the cowboy, yeah. Um, and then, like you say, then he had the um, the, the fun outfit with the the, the brat. Atton yeah. and stuff like that. Love it. Well, yeah, he, yeah. He. It's interesting. Last night I was playing a bit of YouTube and things like that. And one of Tim's favorite bands was a band called The Clash, um, which was sort of late seventies, early eighties band. And uh, there's a great video called "Rock the Casbah," and Mick Jones uh, from The Clash is wearing this sort of army type outfit, and always stands on. If you're looking at the stage or in a lot of clips, he's always on the right hand side. And I noticed with Tim, you know, you know, in terms of stagecraft and even in a lot of videos, if they're performance videos, you always see Tim on the right side. But in the right. Don't Change video last night, I saw, you know, Tim jumping out of the van in his army outfit. And I'm thinking, what if you got a little bit of inspiration from Mick Jones, Rock the Caswell? Yeah, Maybe. Um, yeah, I'd say. But, but the sheer personality that comes through the camera with Tim and a lot of the videos and a lot of the performances live and things like that, I think was a really nice sort of juxtaposition with the other band members who... You know, Michael was more of a brooding character. Andrew was a little bit the anonymous one up the back in his own world. I think Kirk, you know, equally at the front had a lot of personality too and because he had such a versatility of instruments and things and performance. Yeah. You had Kirk on the left and you had sort of Tim on the right. They really complemented yes. Michael well. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think, I think Tim brought a lot of sort of uh, light and colour to Burn. the shade. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I did you see the picture that I posted on Twitter or yeah. whatever you call it, tweeted on Twitter? Yeah. And there's um, a great black and white picture of um, the six of them together. Mm. And Tim's jumping up in the background 
in this fun outfit with a hat on. Yeah. And I, I just, it just comes to the top of my head, the, the, this, the, the descriptions of them all. So you've got yeah. like the shy Gary in the background and it's literally just a little bit of his head poking yeah. behind um, Andrew. And then Andrew is just sort of like, I don't know if I should be here sort of picture. <laughs> and you've got T- Tim flying off in the air and then you've got the geek. Um, <laughs> and then you've got, uh, like I said, you've got the gorgeous Who's the one. Geek? Ah. That is. <laughs> and then you got John just looking absolutely gorgeous, and then yeah. you got Mr. Cool. He just, whatever he did was just well, so bloody cool. I, you know, I think for anyone on this well on this podcast listening, you know, if you played sports growing up, you always wanted someone in your team who could keep you up and about. You know, there'd, there'd be mm. serious players or serious performers and people who would worry a little bit, and someone like a team being around you would make you feel good. And yes. Um, I think I've seen Tim interviewed, you know, hundreds of times and different things and you can always combine a sort of a sense of humor with the seriousness. And I think he would just sort of keep the flow going along pretty well and keeping everybody upbeat in different sort of tough times. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, just for, for Tim himself, I, I always remember when uh, he, he, well, the band got inducted in 2001 into the Australian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. Which is 19 years ago. And, the World Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, well behind, but we're working on that. But I remember Tim, when he gave the speech to start with, you know, he, he said something quite amusing and you can Google it. It's in two parts, I think, because it went for so long. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Tim was joked about and all the things that Chris Murphy made us do. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he had a sort of a wacky line being able to sort of, you know, literally combine the, the truth and humour and you never quite knew which thing he meant. But... Uh, I know here in Melbourne where I live, you know, uh, we have a very big rock station called Triple M and that's a national sort of syndicated radio mm. and in excess of probably rock staples of that, like in terms of the most played music on Australian yeah. radio, it'd be in excess you to ACDC Foo Fighters. They'd be the mm. probably the top four or five bands in Queen or whatever there. But, uh, you know, in excess... Um, uh, such a rock staple there. And he's always had a very good relationship with Triple M and they'd call yeah. him at any time, any time a release is coming out or they want some information, yeah. he would come on. And you could actually go back, I think about two, three years ago, Kirk and Tim hosted Triple M lunch hour. Yeah. And they were sort of hosted a 45 minute lunch hour. Uh, and it was all pre-recorded, whatever, but they were doing lunch tracks sort of for the lunchtime listeners and things on Triple M where they could share some of their favourite music and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Tim, you know, it's not uncommon. I drive to work and hear Tim on the radio, uh, Eddie McGuire, one of the big compares would ring in. Oh, we've got Tim Ferriss on the line. They've got live baby live being released. We just got him on or Hey, yeah. listen, it's, you know, kicks just hit this, you know, and he, he was always giving of his time. Yeah. Um, and no pretensions whatsoever, which is the Australian way. You know, I think for in excess and, and being Australian, what hurt and helped them in a way was being themselves and whatever they're, but they didn't play the game. They didn't, you know, uh, uh, necessarily go down a pathway where some other bands were sort of in bed with Rolling Stone, sort of, so to speak, to get good reviews. They didn't sell their soul to do things that they necessarily didn't want to do. Um, if they didn't want to welcome wherever you are, they didn't do it. Um, and Tim probably almost embodies in excess in the sense that they were pretensionless. Um, now we all know when you do a video and you go on tour and different things, there's a theatrical yeah. part to it, but mm-hmm. being theatrical is not being pretentious. No. Um, and I think that 
anyone who's met the band and anyone who even didn't like the band so much who met the band loved the guys afterwards. You know, they're like, yeah. oh, wow, those guys are so cool. Yeah. Like I remember Beck, um, who was in a, you know, in the 1997 Elegantly Wasted Tour, in excess of doing a big festival. Mm-hmm. And Beck was at the height of his fame. Yeah. And uh, they're doing a big festival out in uh, one of the Midwest American areas there. You know, it was in excess and Beck there and they were working out who was going to, who was going to basically lead the, the, the mm-hmm. festival tour. And Beck just turned around and said, no, no, these guys are going on last. Uh, you know, I can't go on after them. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, Beck uh, did release uh, through, uh, I won't say Spotify, but he did, there is a, uh, a, a reworking of the kick album where yeah. Beck has gone into the studio with uh, St. It's Vincent. Awesome. Yeah. And, and a bunch of other musicians, and he used to go and record an album per day. Yeah. So they went in re-recorded Kick, and you saw, you see, you can see it all on YouTube yeah. and things. Yeah. But yeah, you know, so so from that sort of aspect of things, um, you know, the guys from Queen, you know, I know Brian May and and Freddie got on really well with Tim, you know, and there's great mm. anecdotes about being up in hotel rooms and Michael and Freddie, you know, singing away. And um, I think you know Tim himself. Uh, uh, his pretensionlessness, you know, if there's such a sort of a, a word or expression and his just manner and way and the way he carries himself with the band yeah. uh, has affected people really positively. You know, I'm looking at my computer screen. I'm seeing him on stage with Rob Thomas here. Um, and he's a well, really loved guy. Um, he is a loved guy. He's just, he's just such an approachable person yeah. as well. What, what you see is what you get. You know, yeah. he's, 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 got, he's got a lot of charisma. He's very sweet. Yeah. It, it, uh, this is what I hear from people that have met yep. him. He's just, you know, reliable. He's just like, you know, fun. He can be naughty and cheeky, but he can also be, you know, really wise. And he's just like, I've, I've, I've you know, I think he's wonderful myself. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, um, you know, this is a, this is a love in today. This is a mutual admiration society. Mm. Tim, we've got nothing to say negatively about nothing. you. Um, nothing. And it's not the forum to do so because there's nothing really I look at in, in Tim's, you know, career. You look back and go, why do you do this and do that? Like Tim's just been the rock for the band the and yeah. the leader and the, and the inspiration uh, how and getting things going. And um, look, I guess if we sort of go into some of the sort of the less sort of, you know, positive aspects, I mean, Tim, unfortunately, as a lot of listeners know, had an injury, you know, five years ago, you know, he's a big cricket fan, a big boating fan. And unfortunately he had an injury with, you know, one of his sort of fingers, unfortunately getting severed in a boating accident in Australia. And it probably, you know, the band that in 2012 stopped recording and touring and things like that. But there was a thought that, you know, when the miniseries came out that they may get back and do some touring and some different things, but it just doesn't seem like that's sort of something that he can do. And he's gone through different sort of, legal channels there that probably, you know, not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, we want to go through on this particular podcast, but needless to say that injury probably thwarted, you know, him, you know, performing and touring and doing different things. And until that matter's resolved, I guess that probably has put in excess in a hiatus of not being able to tour. One thing that I always felt passionate about was that if they were to go back and tour it again, and I think, since the miniseries in 2014, there's been this rebirth of the band, both in Australia and internationally. And there's been, through Chris Murphy, I think, working on the legacy of the band and, and, yeah. and, and almost rebranding the band. And, you know, they went through the, you know, this lead singer, that lead singer and things like that. I felt like, you know, they, they needed to do something if they were to tour again that probably was more 
not saying tasteful, but something that would be more embraced. And I thought that if they were to go back and do some sort of tour again, let's just say it was Australia where they are real darlings still to this day. Yeah. They could easily, you know, bring in four to six guest singers who have sung on Original Sin. You know, different, different famous Australian artists and people and maybe a couple of overseas people, and they could do 15, 20 concerts in Australia mm-hmm. and fly around like an Australian-made concert and have, you know, uh, various artists who sung on the original Sin album or various artists who want to pay homage get up and do guest vocals. A bit like you'd think the concert for Freddie Mercury the, in 92 where yeah. they had Bowie get up and they had George yeah. Michael get up and it was a celebration. Yeah. And if they were to put their touring sort of career to, to, to end... And, and I say this sort of honestly, that supporting Rob Thomas and Matchbox 20 in Perth in 2012 as their last mm-hmm. gig, yeah. to me, was unfortunately an underwhelming way to go out. Yeah. You know? Like it wasn't big enough. No. And it wasn't I, big enough for us fans anyway. No, and, and, but I think if they, you know, especially two, two years later after the miniseries and everybody understood their legacy and different things like that, and Chris has been working with the band and then, you know, the videos and rebranding Live Baby Live. I mean, there's been a lot of work put in by Chris in the last five to eight years in giving the band the proper sort of messaging back out to the community. Uh, you know, you know, uh, the, even Wembley being re-released on, 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 yeah. D, on CD. Yeah. Um, it's been a big year, hasn't it, this year? Well, yeah. I mean, Chris is always working on things with the band and, you know, sales have soared in the last, say, five, six, mm. seven years. But if they were in some way to tour again and, and, and Tim was to sort of get the sort of dexterity back and the ability to play guitar to some meaningful level um, in some way. And look, I say this respectfully, if the guy, you know, in uh, Def Leppard with one arm can come back and play drums with computer support, there is something we can do. And, you know, I don't think the fans would be too disappointed if Tim was up there strumming away and, being 50% the guitarist he was. I think everyone would be respectful of it. Just to see them together you know, on They could have another guitarist to come in and help play some lead support yeah. guitar and things. I mean, yeah. I saw Roxy Music a few years ago and it was like a cast of thousands there. Yeah. You know, I, was, I, I was watching Bruce Springsteen play Don't Change last night in, at Sydney <laughs> and he had Tommy Morello from Raging Against the Machine. Like, there's no shame in having a couple of guitar support no, people there. No. Um, well, let's just, yeah. sit, let's just see, like, if, I mean, not that we're going to do it, but we're going to try and help get them into the Rock Hall of Fame. You know, this is going to give them a boost. Maybe they, they can get into talks to, to doing something like this as well. And, it's, you know, this snowball effect of feeling the love from all their fans that they will get back together and do just one last tour for us all. Well, yeah, yeah. And as I said, it's probably that particular time at the moment where I think, you know, with some of the legal proceedings, when you go out there and say, look, my career was hurt by this, this, this and this and this, you no, can't really you go can't. off and do a tour. No. Because then the lawyers go, well, hang on, you can play, you can make money or whatever. But um, there's no doubt there's an inhibition or an inhibiting factor when you lose a finger. Yeah. And I don't sort of laugh, you know, sort of... Um, uh, you know, gratuitously, I'm like, it's just a natural sort of deduction. But it's of not just a finger, it's a, a whole hand. Yeah. And look, I don't know the specifics of the injury too well and what it ultimately means, but, you know, I think that um, it would just be great that, you know, they're not 72 years of age, they're, you know, guys in their late 50s, no, early 60s. Like, yeah, you know, they're still young. There are people touring around the world who will virtually need to be put in a wheelchair. <laughs> You know, Ozzy Osbourne, I mean, he can't get on stage oh and they're trying to push yeah. him out there, but it's it's almost to the point of being sad. Painful. Yeah, no, you know, it's not good. Um, 
Now, in excess don't have a lead singer there, you know, in terms of Michael, but you could have, you know, a, a bunch of singers, you know, go out there. And if I look at the original Sin album where, you know, we had Ben Harper and different people, Rob Thomas, you know, whatever, you could easily put two together a, a, a six-week tour in Australia where you could fly in and out various guest singers, have a festival thing, have some great support bands on, you know, uh, and you would sell it out. You know, they would. And uh, it would be a real celebration there. So I think, you know, for Tim, as I said, relating it back to him in this episode, um, as I said, he's been sort of the captain, the pioneer and the sort of spirit of the band. And I guess almost this hiatus where things aren't quite happening in terms of touring or sort of recording is probably in a way because the band members are like, well, Tim's our lead, he's our captain and until yeah. he can, we and can't. We can't, no. You know? That's, and it's a bit sad. Yeah. That is a bit sad. But we should talk about he's done a, he did a film when Michael did his film. Yeah. We haven't talked about... Um, Fish in space. <laughs> well, you should, look, everyone should go out and watch it. It's quite funny. Have you seen it? Yeah, have you? Right. No. Oh, oh. I think I've seen some footage of it on YouTube and stuff like that. But look, Tim, just a couple of little things for Tim outside the band. I know back in 84, you know, there was a Demi Moore and a John Cryer from, um, uh, you know, acting circles did a movie together and he contributed a sort of a song to the soundtrack for that. And, He's had his own sort of recording studios and things like that that he's helped mm. people come in and do. Yeah. I know in the 90s he got given the chance, I think, for Basketball Australia, as it was known in that day, to do the theme song, a lot of instrumental stuff for that um, uh, league. Um, and I think, you know, across the board, he's probably a guy who's got, I think he's even got so many recordings of instrumental stuff there. Yeah. It'd be interesting that if you could put some lyrics to it and maybe get it out there, you know, you never know what, would be hidden in there, some gems mm-hmm. and stuff as well. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, you know, In Excess was always his number one thing and the thing that probably, uh, you know, he wanted to sort of, um, um, you know, be sort of involved with. And, you know, he's, he's as I said, you know, the, the, the leader of, of, of that band. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, to this day, we're very, very grateful for Terry, William, you Farris. Farris. <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> we'll do a, a better homage to you another time, I'm sure. Well, we hopefully he comes on, we on. can elaborate and we can uh, <laughs> get his inside word. But uh, <laughs> we might call it a wrap on it now, B. Okay, that's a wrap. Pleasure and pain. So this week is 1987 and Hayden's kindly let me go again with my pleasures. Here we go.
tunes the Nina Simone and the Percy Sledge I just remember being quite young then and it was a lot of adverts on the TV and looking cool in your jeans and these tunes were all playing yeah Um, I think I think I think there was like uh that movie Good Morning Vietnam at that time where what a wonderful world and there was a sort of bit of a sort of a yeah. A retrospective uh, homage to some of those songs of the sixties, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, and they're great songs as well. It's a yeah. good. It was good to bring them back for the youth to listen to again. Yeah, that's right. It's really good. And then I've sprinkled in and um, pump up the volume, <laughs> Louise. If you're listening, that's for you, my girl. We used to dance our feet. It was off catchy. It was, it was for, really for a uh, sort of a genre of its time. It was catchy. Yeah, my little Doc Martins and my little, I loved it. Um, and then Bjork in um, The Sugar Cubes. Did you ever go to see them? No, what? I never saw them. And, oh. and even even her solo stuff I didn't like. I think she's annoying. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there was two guys that were married in the band, I right. remember. And, yeah, so it was quite an interesting gig that I went to. I think she came on with a radio once and she just used to just listen to the radio and then they'd all throw the radio around. Just to- There's only really two songs I can think about her and one was that famous one where she did the solo Shout. one, like, shh. You know, um, that, and then you know, the video clip was sort of almost like a homage to bloody um, 
you know, Greece where she flies up in the air, you know, <laughs> at the end of it. Um, and then there was the other one, she was in a movie and she had a soundtrack song to that. She won, I think, a part. And the one, the yeah. really good one was where she's on the back of the um, van and right. she's going through New York, I think, or somewhere. Yeah. And she's being filmed and she's like, oh, you couldn't do that now. It's just a bit too offbeat for me. And uh, a bit too I like rack, offbeat. Bit too, well, there's offbeat and there's, there's curveball offbeat. Two, yeah. two steps tangential removed, and I put her yeah. in that category. But yeah. anyway, each anyway, to their own. Each to her own. Joe's going to kill me. I'm not really a George Michael fan, but I do like his music. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Does that but, make you a George Michael fan then? Oh, no, I don't know. In, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I don't right. really like. I don't really like fruit, but I love apples. You know. Yes, like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. For me, I had a bit of a problem liking mainstream music at the right. time. That's probably I reckon that was a, maybe is. a wham uh, hangover for you. Yeah. Because when he came is. into <laughs> the Faith album in 87, there was probably a bit of whamism overload. Mm, uh, I didn't like wham, you know. Yeah. So, but, so uh, yes, I like George. So yeah. there's George. George is in there. And then, oh, Terrence. Oh, my God, Terrence. What a voice. Why, why did he disappear? Well, I saw Terence Turner Derby sing with In Excess. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, opening of did Stadium Australia in 1999. He came in for four songs and sung. And yeah. uh, I think Terence Trent Derby, I've listened to a couple of podcasts. He, I think, lives in Italy now and changed his name to Satandra, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But yeah, I think he's just, just, yeah, I think he had record company issues and just went off the grid a bit. But um, him and Michael were good friends, uh, I guess, back in the day. And, uh, he really loved. I remember the "Welcome to Wherever You Are" album. He was really thought it was the best album of the year when it came out. And yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, that that introducing of the Hardline, I think, album with Terence had like four or five like top three hits in America was a massive thing out oh. here as well. Oh. So it oh. sounds like it did well in the UK too for you in that era. Yeah, no, I, I, I had the album, his debut album, loved yeah. it. Um, and he played a lot of instruments as well as uh, vocals yep. and wrote. A very clever man. He's like a little prince, isn't well, he? Well, he had that voice, that, that almost like Sam Cooke voice. Like it was just mm. something that was just a, almost a voice from the 60s, but just an unbelievable voice. And, yeah, I think he, he may have gotten his own way in just his own career. Some people do that. They just become difficult with the record company, difficult, you know, yeah. with producers. And I've heard enough, um, uh, there's, a, there's a great... Rolling Stone uh, journalist who was good friends with uh, Terence Trent Darby and I, there was a good podcast on his, his name's David, not David Frick, but someone else. But he was telling, he said he moved out from New York to LA and, and Terence was his like go-to guy, looked out for him and this, this and this. And then over time, you know, him, him and Terence just lost contact, but he became difficult and then the record companies found that he was hard to deal with. And I think he changed his name and then went to, you know, live in oh, Italy yeah. and, He's releasing okay. stuff through various sort of platforms, but bring yeah. him back, bring him back, and he can sing with an excess for us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, here's my bad. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Across the 
Mr. Hayden. <laughs> Look, you've got a couple of questionable ones in there, but I'll uh, I'll let you explain yourself on each of those. Uh, give me a bit of a backdrop. <laughs> okay, then. So um, the first unique song <laughs> by The Firm was Star Trekking. How on earth did that get into the charts? I think the word unique is a euphemism for shit, <laughs> okay? But, uh, yeah, I, I remember that song at the time and it was almost a real, what, that novelty era, wasn't it, where Ooh. novelty songs would come in. There was some bad ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a yeah, that was a that was pretty bad. Yeah. And then um anything that was like for the summer <laughs> and it was women with like no tops on hardly. Um Sinita, Toy Boy, and then yeah. the other one, Taffy, I love my radio. Yeah, she surely loved that radio. <laughs> Actually, I was listening to it and it sounded a little bit like a Robbie Williams song later on. The a, a DJ is it what was that when he's it, it's on roller skates or something, and the DJ's going to buy his soul or whatever it is. You know that song? Don't know. But, I, look, that sort of late 80s period there, around 87, 88, 89, was a real what, Stock Aikerman and Waterman mm. period in the UK, wasn't where anybody with big boozies or was a page three girl could get a recording contract. Yes. Um, and then equally uh, we heard uh, the male equivalent of uh, some of those girls whose voice you just still hate. They sort of had a bit of a comeback in the last few years in terms of touring and some Why? getting some. How on earth do people like listening to his? Mention his name. Who is he? Rick Astley. Rick Astley. <laughs> he's a nice person, though. I'm sure he's a lovely person, but. Like, you, know he, you know he loves singing New Sensation, putting on an In Excess T-shirt. I know. I know. I think we might have put him on one of our podcasts, didn't we? Yeah, we did, <laughs> I think. Giving him, yes. Very nice. Well, I'm going to need to take awesome. a, a, a take a, a, an aspirin after those uh, shockers there, B, and <laughs> get get my list together for next week. So, um, but uh, thank you for that. Pleasure and pain for another week. Right, well, that's a wrap, B. We've hit 20. Uh, they said we'd never make it. We wouldn't last, but we've, uh, we've, we're now getting into sort of almost adulthood 20. That was a good age, wasn't it? 20. Don't remember being 20, 20 versus 19. That was a good age. <laughs> now we're 20 in the podcast. Uh, but um, I guess some exciting stuff for next week. We sometimes give a little bit of a sneak peek of future episodes, and we yeah. can say to people it's time for a list. It's been a while since yes. we've done a list. Let's get our, a list A top going. five. I know we did a top five videos, part one and part mm-hmm. two. We're yeah. going to do a bit of a top five next week of both our own individual in excess moments. Moments. And it's going to be memorable moments. Now, it could be memorably as in positive, which most of them will be, 
maybe memorably in terms of infamous as well. There could be something in there that, oh my God, you know, et cetera there. So mm-hmm. um, the top five in excess B moments we're going to yep. share with the listeners next week, the Ooh. top five Hayden moments. And, uh, you know, we, we, we hope that post oh. episode next week, we get your feedback on yours because I guess everybody has their own experiences. Yeah, it would be quite nice if people actually told us now if you can get onto the Facebook. That and could let be us cheating, know. B. You could use that material for your own moments. No, no, no. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, in terms of that, that's something uh, we're look, both looking forward to doing for, for next week. And uh, it'll probably just, you know, through our own experiences, share those with you. Um, I know, uh, as I said, we're on various platforms now that sort of B's mentioned earlier, and I do reiterate, if you can sit in your way to contribute uh, to our, our podcast in the various mechanisms, I know B, um, for people to do that, just want to remind people the different packages that they can do and just the format, how we do that, because, uh, look, we have had a little bit of a drying up of contributors in the last two, three weeks, and we would love to find another 10, 15 people who make a world of difference for us and we want to take you on this journey you know we've got some big plans for this podcast we're going to get you know band members on we'd love to maybe get you on it talking to the band members and we really want to reward people who help us on this journey so if you can find in your way for 10 20 30 dollars a month uh to put something into this it would really make us you know, i guess in a way and you you guys our partners mm. in getting this band into the rock hall of fame so but how do, how do fans contribute on the platforms or to the podcast financially your best thing is to come to the Podbeam um, app and on the Podbeam app, there's a little thing there. It says become a patron. So you can become a patron straight away. Mm. So if you want to go onto th- that one, that's the best way to go. But you can find us on Spotify. You can find us, find us on Amazon Music, iTunes. You can find us on Google Play and oh, everywhere now. So also we can interact with us on Twitter on Instagram and on Facebook. And look, the great thing about that, whether it's five, ten dollars, twenty, thirty a month, there's various, you know, packages there that may fit into your economics pay scale or contribution scale. Um, as you probably heard, all of our platinum patrons are called out every week and are really engaged in our calling all nations uh, interaction and things. And, you know, if you can, you know, give up a coffee or a, you know, a Red Bull or a couple of Red Bulls a week and help us with this podcast you know it's a small amount in the scheme of life that really makes a big difference for us and gives us sort of the ability to to keep running this podcast for many many years to come because we would love to to do this uh, it's a it's a passion project first and foremost it's not a profitable project but um any contributions that come our way do help us putting it together um so but not, but not only the contributions thank you for all of you just coming and listening to us and keeping us going as well and the encouragement that we're getting we we do appreciate that as well but yep. being a patron would really help us yeah 100 100 give up give up you give up cigarettes you know think about how healthy you are and you know <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a bit much to ask for people, but you know a coffee a week or a, a red bull a week it just makes a difference yeah um in terms of going out today, it is all about Timmy Farris. Um, as I said, probably one of the loveliest uh, men in music, I think, that mm. is out there. Uh, we are going to leave you with a bit of a tribute song for Tim. Uh, we know he's done some co-writes we mentioned earlier and we've done a little bit of a montage earlier, but we would like to play out a song that might be rare or new to some listeners because it is a B-side off the Heaven Sent CD single. Uh, it is called 
Levitt's Revolution. And I remember in 92 when this came out and I pumped this up in my dorm at uni and mm-hmm. um, the whole CD was awesome. But this one was just such a really good rock and guitar instrumental. Yeah. Um, I wish you put this on Listen Like Thieves instead of Three Sisters, B. Um, sorry, Tim, but, you know, this one is really knocks that one out of the park. So, um, it, you know, it doesn't have lyrics, but it is a thumping sort of guitar, Tim Virtuoso performance. So from B and myself, you know, a big thank you uh, to Tim for everything you've done for the band and continue yes. to do. Uh, and uh, I guess it's a goodbye from me today, B. And it's a good five bye from B. Bye, everyone. Bye bye.
Well, how guitar cool was that? Well done, Timmy.